welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast, where we'll discuss all things coon hounds, from competition hunting to pleasure hunting with family and friends. I'm your host, Alan Bridges, and we'll take an in-depth look at our hounds from the whelping box to the winter circle and all the stops in between. So grab your notebooks and your pencils because class is in session. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout on nighthunters.com. Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. We stand behind Conkey's and is the only hunting supply store that we personally recommend here at Coon Hunting University. You can find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook, Conkey's Outdoors, and give them a like. And GNR Cedar Dog Boxes. They make a high-quality cedar dog box at a great, affordable price. If you're in the market for a new dog box, reach out to Gavin at 615-962-5266. Mr. Joe, just tell me how you got started. Tell me where you're from. And just, you know, I want to hear all about it. Born and raised up in, in Randolph County, my grandfather, my great-granddad come in from Wales, come in to Pennsylvania, way back there, and, and, uh, and then his, uh, my granddad, that's, I didn't ever know my great-granddad, but uh, bought a bunch of land up and around that Miss Central River there, and, uh, we was born and raised there. We had hounds. We always had hounds, all kinds. We had beagles, bird dogs, a lot of a lot of pheasants and quail up in there then. And uh, we even had a, a fox dog or two. And uh, but crazy tree dog was the main dog. We we had there was cur dogs mostly mixed with. We had one full blooded black and tan one. I was seven, eight years old. But most of them were crow dogs and all till I got up. Uh, when I got up to about 14, 15, I started going with no boy to them hunts. Then they had three-hour hunts, and they had great dog casts. There's more great dogs than there was of dogs. But... Uh, I remember when I got my first registered dog, it was a blue tick. And that's after I left home, got married and left home. And I got a, bought it off of Warren Hester. That was in, now I had hounds. I, I had great dogs, Saddleback, Black and Tan, and an English female. Wasn't no registered blue ticks around there then. That was in the, that was, uh, in uh, or six, 59, 60 right in there. But anyway, a guy down out there in Oklahoma named Charles Alexander, he, he had Alexander's bow, but he bought serum dogs all over the country. He bought beagles for them organizations that took in dogs and, and practiced you know, all kinds of serums and stuff on them. But anyway... I met him up Kenton, Ohio. That was Eddie Ross. Now there, he owned, that'd get me off my story, but he owned 
uh, uh, he had a, a famous bulldog, Eddie Ross. It was called uh, Diamond G. No, it wasn't Diamond Jim, but anyway, he had a he had one of the foundation hounds. But anyway, he he run the Kenton National Field Trial and trimming races up there in Kenton, Ohio. But anyway, he told me, he said, why don't you buy a good registered dog more and quit messing around uh, with these great dogs and stuff. And he said, that one hassler out there in Smoker River Kennels, he's got a little pups of coming out of that Smoker River Rambler. And uh, see, he come from right here to Old Bill but at the time, I didn't know it. But anyway, he told me how to get a hold of him, where to get his phone number, whatever. And I did. And I got a... And now this, now, this was up in mid-60s on up in there. This was... I'd been hunting in the hunt sand. And I had a registered walker, though. And I had an English bulldog. They wasn't no count. His tree dogs, about all they was. But anyhow, I sent and got to one hassler, and I bought a dog off of Smoker River Blue Rambler. That was in in the late sixties, and that was my first registered good registered dog, and he was a blue dog, and that's what put me on the blue ticks. That dog. Uh, I took him off my dad's on the river and left him over there, and he run roots. And uh, up towards the fall, I went over there one day or one Saturday, me and the kids, and he had that dog tied up with a new collar and a new chain on him. He was about nine months, eight, nine months old. I said, what did he tie him up for, Dad? He said, hell, he lays out all that tree somewhere. He said, son, you need to keep him tied up in the tree out. He won't be worth a nickel. So I took him home with me and started hunting him. And he was a natural. You know, he just, he took on, he was just natural. Uh, he was just a natural dog. And, and I, there's a couple boys working that plant with me. They both, one of them worked for Rush Bellers, you know. The Walker Dog Man. Yes, sir. Anyway, it was late fall, and they said, well, Bill, we'll be over tonight and go around. And he had one of Warren Hassler, not Warren Hassler, but Russ Bellers's, I think Zanum's Pac-Man or one of them dogs. He had him, and guy with him had a, uh, a dog bred the same way. They didn't walk a dog harder than those walk a dog people. Now, Gina Reagan's dog, he belonged to one, to, uh, well, I can't get one. He belonged uh, to uh, Russ Beller, the walker dog man. One world hunt, you know, a time or two. That, well, that pack man was one of them. But anyway, and that's when he picked corn, and they, and they, it, 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 it didn't shell it. He had a, it, it would chuck the 
husk off of here, and then it'd go back and dump it in a wagon, pull them behind. It made a lot of noise, but we drove back in there. It was on my uncle's place, and uh, turned them three dogs, and and like I said, that, that dog's name was Stubb. Uh, truck come in and run over his tail when he's a little pup. And my dad cut it off, and I named him Stubb. But we sent them off in there, and they were, here come that guy who was picking corn after night. And them corn pickers made so much noise and stuff, you just couldn't. But when that picker got far enough away, we heard a dog tree drop into there, about a half a quarter. I said, is that you, British's dog? And said, no. I said, don't you know your own dog? I said, Ain't our dog, stop be your dog. So we walked in there, we turned around. We walked in there, and there was old Stubbs bellied up treed. And we shined the light up there and got squalling around and seen the coon walker dogs wasn't there. And uh, so I come up there and shook him off, and uh, he, gave a, he gave a dog a... We'd have any gun with us, but he, boy, he gave that young dog off a fight, and I got him hold of him, got him back. I didn't want him to get whipped out, and we let him coon run, run off, and I put him on him. He let him in a groundhog hole, but that was uh, that's when I knew I had some. And before the night was over, he got it by himself again. They got treated and had a coon, because we had a lot of coon in them days up there. And, but uh and, and this was in Indiana? Yeah, this was up in Randolph County, Indiana, for where I was born and raised. And that's what got me in the blue dog business. And uh and uh, another thing what got I there's a uh coon club up there, it was Union history now what was, uh, it was right right in close down around all county, down around Lee in Indiana, that's about halfway to Richmond where all the mokes is. I can't think the name of the club. But anyway, them, them boys right there, they take young guys and teach them how to hunt in the hunts, how to, how to competition hunt, how to do it. And they taught you, and I was older, but I got in on that. I thought I knew everything, but... You know, I didn't know the rules or anything, but they done it right. But I started hunting down there in the hunts, and uh, that's, that's what got me started right there on Blue Dogs. Now, you take old Smoky River Brambler, uh, Bill, everybody in the country thinks the instruments raised him and all. Bill bought him as a pup down here on in Arkansas down there on the lake. A guy down there raised him. There was... Two of them was real top dogs. Rambler was one of them. But I bred her. I bought two or three pups over the years later on after that off of Warren. But uh, the best one was, best one, uh, of course, you know, that was my first real good dog. But that's where I got started. And, and uh, I hunted in the hunts up there. And uh, time went on. I it, it, it screwed on and really get in. I bought, I bought, I'd buy a good dog. Now in them days, that was back in the back in the 
Well, late 50s and 60s, uh, you could buy you could buy a pretty good dog for 150, 200 dollars, and uh, I'd buy one once in a while, and then somebody want to buy it and that need the money, you know, or something, I'd sell it. But uh, I really didn't really get into the hardcore. I mean, getting into breeding and owning some good dog, and I bought. I probably bought as many good dogs as I trained up. And I bought, a lot of people don't know it. Uh, some of my ads I used to run, I'd go, I'd go uh, drive, you know, four or five hundred miles. I'm talking about real top dogs. I'm not talking about started dogs or whatever. Yes, sir. I'd hear about one, and, uh, like Iowa up in Iowa, I went everywhere, but I'd go get in the motel, get there early, meet the people, and I'd go out there and try the dog we hunt. You know, and, and a lot of times I took a, you know, dog with me to test them with. But uh, I, I drove a lot of miles, spent a lot of gas, and never come home with a coon dog. Never bought nothing. That's, and that used to be in my ads years ago down there in Missouri. A lot of these dogs, I've, one man ain't gonna have as many dogs as I had. And I'm not talking one a week, I'm talking about, you know, you hear all that and you should read all them ads, everybody had 10 good top dogs. You, you, you In the magazines, uh, I never seen nothing like it. I'd be lucky to get one real top dog that I could ship out. I guaranteed my dogs, you know, but but uh, I was lucky, and, and then I got into these ones. Uh, guy one time jumped me, he said, how about them Usman dogs? He said, uh, he'd think about buying a pup. And I told him, I said, I want to tell you something. All dogs don't make it. If they did, everybody would have a top dog. But I said, them Usman pups that I bought over the years, if they don't, if they, if they, way we handle them down here in Hunt every night and down here in the Ozarks, that's what we did at night. But anyway, if they don't get started and all, give them away or shoot them, knock them head, go down and buy you another. I guarantee you, that's the way I look at the Usman dogs. They'll all make it, and you know how it is. Everybody's different. One dog will shoot a guy, and, and another guy won't shoot him at all. But uh, I bred, I had a lot of litters of pups, and some, a lot of them made decent dogs. You know, every once in a while, I wanted to make what old Charles Dawson used the word outstanding. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they are proud to offer amazing financing options from 30 days same as cash to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit 
They'd love to have you. Conkey's Outdoors, Houndsman, helping Houndsman. I don't like to use that word, but he's just talking about one that's, you know, on that top strand of the ladder, you know. There's a lot of good dogs, and the man that owns them, you know, is like, you know, if he likes them, rags them up more, that's his business. But you just, uh, but I, I spent a, a lot of nights in the woods, and uh, a lot of, followed a lot of more hounds. And like I said, when I first come in here, we moved down here. I first come in here. I didn't work for six, eight months. I just uh, I sold out of, up home there, sold out and sold the farm and everything. Had some money, and I come down here and I got to buying these dogs, uh, these tree dogs right in this area back here in '80. 81, you know, until they found out what was going on. These people ain't done them down here, but I'd buy a lot of them dogs, you know, for $500,000. Somebody else liked them better, you know, and sell them, make a little money on them. Well, when they find out you're making money on them, they just start raising the price, you know. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, but anyhow, uh, my last good dog tied right out of here that I ever owned. She's 13 years old. I call her Moyer's Blue Bonnie. Bart's got a, uh, I sent a dog down there. Bart's got a dog off of him now. He's going to be loose here, but he's got a guy on him, hunting him. But uh, she's 13. She showed a lot of good dogs, and she'll be my last real top dog. I'm talking about smart and know how to, in competition hunting, know how to take care of them dogs that bark all over the woods and all. Independent, she just, I'll never, and I got a pair of dogs off of her right at a year old now. And uh, I've had a lot of coon trouble here, like I said, during this bad drought coming up here, and they get bark at night. Uh, I just turn them, one of them loose, and there ain't very long. I live in the woods there. It ain't very long they got a coon tree somewhere. And, uh, but they ain't coon dogs or nothing, but they will make a coon dog if I ever get that weather breaks where I can start hunting them. I understand but that, that too. that old female, she's a granite bitch out there. She's my, boy, she was something. She started out... And I've had three or four or five of them. And and then, like I said, I never done work for five or six months or so. When I come down here, it was fall. First dog I for female. I gave a guy $1,500 for her. He didn't want to sell her. She was straight as a dime. We broke. And everybody said, what do you want with her? He's talking competition. I said, I'm, I'm trained dogs and start dogs. Just look at the trashy dogs I can break with her. Shop callers would come out then, and, and uh, they never saw of that. But uh, she more than paid for herself training pups and breaking and shopping dogs on them deer, fox and stuff, and cows, you know. But uh, that was... And when I first come here, then I bought a... Blue 
pretty decent little bitch called Fly. She was Ranger 2 breeding, or all ultimate breeding, and I went to breeding her and stuff, started breeding up some dogs. That's when I first come here, but, uh, and the best, the best overall hound I'll ever own or ever have on, that Chubbs dog, he buried out here in my front yard. I thought the world of that dog, but he wasn't a balanced competition style dog I'm talking about. John Davis had a female off a ranger too. She come from the Uchmans, uh, uh, Gary. But anyway, she was a pretty decent dog, had a good nose, you know, had it all. She'd move a tree once in a while, and once in a while she would uh, run something over the hill. She, but she was a reproducer. And uh, me and John come in from hunting one night. He run an old country store. We come in from hunting, and old Warren Hassler and Wilbur Newsman was sitting there in the truck about 1 o'clock in the morning. And we got out there, and John, you know who it was? Well, Warren Hassler got out and Wilbur. And uh, he'd been trying to buy that Peggy dog off of John. But anyway, we got out, and they went in, put on coffee, and we got talking. And that night, whatever I had then, I forget, it, it treated criminal old Peggy, but it, uh, Warren said, Johnny said, uh, would you, I'll come to buy old Peggy. He said, well, if you'd have been with her tonight, you, you wouldn't have warned her. He said, I don't want to hear that. And he bought her for 3000 and took her home. And when she come in, he took her down there in, in, uh, down here in Arkansas on the lake down there at Mountain Home and bred her to Dad's a blue boy. And he sold, she had 10 pups. I got everybody in the country bought one. He sold them all but one. And But anyway, mine got Pargo and died. That's when it Pargo. But anyway, they got scared. I, I heard about one up in the Illinois, and I went up there and bought it. But uh, I sent him to a buddy of mine out in Kansas to train. They got killed out there. But anyway, Gene DeGrafferty from Oklahoma, he owned a lot of good blue dogs. I was up here in northern Missouri at a coon hunt. And the next morning, I was sitting there eating breakfast, and I was talking to this boy. I said, how'd you do last night? He said, got beat by a 12-month-old blue tick pup. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, what was it? He said, Warren Hassler. Called him, well, rung a bell. I said, that's one of them pups. So I got talking to Gene. No, I don't want to sell him. I don't want to sell him. Well... About six, five or six months, a guy bought him over at Joplin, Missouri, and sent and for twenty five hundred and sent him to Kerry Looks down there in Georgia. So uh, Kerry called here one time. I told Kerry two or three good dogs way back there, but anyway. He, I said, Terry, what do you got around her? He said, I got a good dog if I could keep him off a, if I could keep him off a cows. And it was that dog. 
I said, what do you want from him? He probably, I ain't always quote money, but big money. I bought that dog and brought him home here, and I broke him. I named him Big Amos. Now, that was my, the best overall no-nonsense balance hound I ever owned. I'm talking competition, see. A Chubbs dog was laying out here, and little granddad dog was laying out here in the grave right out here in my yard under the trees out there. I like that dog overall better than anything. But this ain't this big Amos dog. Uh, Bart probably told you about him uh, later on. But anyway, he had a real nose. He could treat a bad layup. And the minute he smelled the vapor of a coon track he'd opened, you had him on the scorecard. And he'd skip around. The dogs get to pushing him a little. He'd skip around on out there. First thing you know, he's over in there somewhere tree by himself. Well, old Charles Dawson heard about him. He called me. Charles kept wanting him, kept wanting him. One time he called, and I had a dog or two, and he said, I want that dog. I, I said, Charles, I'll price him. If you don't want him, don't hear it. Hang up and don't hear it no more. I priced him 4000 and he bought him. He took that dog down there, and he brought out in a blue ribbon hunt. $4,000 hunt, and he won it. First hunt he put him in. Of course, he had $250 entry fee, something like that back then. But anyhow, time went by, and a guy called me down and said, I said, how's old Charles doing? Who am I? He said, Joe, he got him laid up. He's got heartworms. And I said, what? Yeah, he said, he did nothing. He's laid in the pen. So I called Charles, and I bought him back for three. And I took him out here my veterinarian, they, we doctored him. I didn't get to hunt him for, I think it was 40, 40 days. I had him laid up and everything. He had them. But anyway, I got him gone again. And I was down here at Chadwick, down there by Branson hunting one night, ACHA World Qualifying Hunt, and he was a high-scoring dog. Well, I'd come out in an American Cooner, old picture of him and everything. Bart called me, Bart Nation. Bart said, what is that dog? I'd show Bart two real top dogs, that Bud Light dog and another different blue dog. Eastman Red Blue Dog. And uh, I said, well, he said, how does he compare to them two at Bulldog, buddy? I said, you get in one of them swamps down there and the dogs start bogged down tapping trees. Big Amos will have that thing out there before you know it. Ah, I said, yeah. So... We went on one on, I priced him high and bought body. I shipped him out of there. I shipped air freight out of Memphis, Tennessee. That's three-hour drive south, and then I shipped north out of Springfield here. That's north 110 miles. But anyway, I said, I'll ship that dog to you, Bart. Well, I priced him high. I said, I ship that dog to you. He, what I say is, you own a dime of it. You don't pay me, and you're happy. And I done it, and it wasn't about two weeks. He said, oh, boy, Joe. He said, he said your uh, your money's in the mail. But he said, well, I asked you something. This light dog I got off of you, uh, the boy didn't like him a lot. He was over broke. The dog run off game there once while he'd come into the light. And let's, you know, he didn't like and 
yeah. So I took him in. In the meantime, we got in South North Carolina. Gary Carter from North Carolina called me looking for a dog. And uh, he said, I want a top coon dog. I said, I got one down there in Calhoun, Georgia. I'd be closer to you. And, I, and, you know, I priced him everything. So he sent somebody down there, and boy, about two or three weeks, he called me and sent me my money. He liked him. He kept him, he kept him though, till he died. Randy Mount, that light dog called Light. But anyhow, Bart kept Big Amos. I guess he kept him till he died. But that, that dog right there was, he... You'd, you'd pull up and get your dogs out at a hunt. A lot of them male dogs, when you drop them off tailgate, first thing they're jerking on you, want to smell them other dogs and growl around. Old Amos would step out on that tailgate and throw his head in there and start analyzing, snuffing the air. And he better not smell a coon somewhere because them dogs would be in trouble unless they smell the tea, you know, but... That's just the way he was. He was all no-nonsense, and, boy, I could tell a lot of good hunting stories on that old boy. But uh, I had a lot of, like I say, I got two or three grand nice birds here around here that I've had, and some of them I didn't make, but two of them I did. But uh, that Amos dog, was, he, he was something else now. He... Another, some of them other dogs I had, I had, I had a little bitch called Purdy. Old May had her, and he grinded her out on the bench. Her name was Rose, and I bought her. She was a good little dog. She was high, had a real high, clear ball mouth on the tree. You could hear it for 10 miles. I wasn't hard hearing then. Are you in the market for a new dog box and just don't know which one to get? That's where I encourage you to go check out GNR Cedar Dog Boxes, especially if you're wanting something different. GNR Cedar Dog Box was established in 2016 when two avid hunters wanted a dog box that was affordable and great looking at that. They provide a high quality, handmade, lightweight box to the customers. They take pride in the fact that their boxes are fully cedar, which will last a lifetime in all types of weather conditions. Cedar also ensures your hounds stay a little warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. You can find out more about GNR Cedar Dog Boxes on Facebook. G- find them at GNR Cedar Dog Boxes or give them a call at 615-962-5266. They're located in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, USA. But anyway, I was down here. Here's how I got acquainted with Mark. I was down in them hills, or down in uh, Indiana or somewhere, hunting, in a big hunt, blue tick deal. And I draw, it's, I draw, the, or I draw one of Bart's dogs. No, now I got to back up. There's a better story behind that. This was, uh, we went to Orangeburg, the Grand American down there, Orangeburg, South Carolina, the Grand American. And our cast went, 94 mile towards down towards the Myrtle Beach area. I've hunted there. And there's where we drawed out at. But anyway, I drove one of Bart's handlers, had a dog in the cast. But anyway, a lot happened in that huddle. Pretty got herself. 
an old boy the, the, is not camping cast, the old boy uh, minus me up for moving. And I said, oh, she, uh, she, never, she ain't moved. Yeah, she did. I said, well, we up her then. What? I said, just hook her right there again. And when we got in there, she's bad to chew, not bad. And she chewed around. I said, but anyway, uh, I scored there, but I lost uh, 125. But anyway, uh, got up to hunt. was getting about over. This guy worked in a paper mill, this judge, and he turned it over to the guide. said, I got to go to work. Well, we was down in there in them swamps. And old Purdy got by herself, and the water was up in there, and, and this old, they all they all left me there, for what I want to tell you. And uh, they said, we'll, we'll be back with a boat. I said, we don't need no to get her to come off the tree and come in. She's about a quarter mile back in the backwaters of the... Yeah, I think it was Myrtle Beach but down in there you somewhere. Were, you were probably in the PD River Basin. Yeah, but it, it was wet. But now here, they they went off and left me sitting there, and uh, my, I rode out there with somebody else. My rig was up there. It was called Hell Hole Coon Club. It's the name of the club. We we went from Orangeburg to there, got out there, and went hunting. On, we went on downhill towards that big reserve down there towards the ocean. But anyway, I sat through one of the storms I've ever sat through. I've been around this country now a lot. Under these trees and, and uh, nobody but me there. Old Purdy stayed in there. You just hear that once in a while. Well, at daybreak, here come an old boy. Come in there and... We apologetic and said, boy, they called me, Joe. They forgot about you. Or mister, he didn't know who it was. And he said, uh, where's your dog? I said, she's still back in there. And I said, she'll blow out here. She's been treated out. And she, I kept calling, calling. She'd shut up, but she wouldn't come out of it. I thought maybe she water dog or something back in there. I don't know. But anyway... He, I said, he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, if you got a twenty-two rifle and you shoot there, she'll come out of her. He said, I'll be back. He comes back, he's got a little old eight-foot pram flat-bottom boat, got a coon in a cage and a black and tan ham. And uh, he got, I said, shoot that gun in there. He shot in there three or four times. Nothing. She went tree and more. Well, he got that coon out, got that dog tree, and then he went shooting, and she come out of there. So he hauled me, he hauled me back up at that coon club, and then I had my truck was there, and then I had to go from there 94 mile up to Orangeburg. But uh, that was one of the toughest I, I call it, worser. Worst hunt I was in, but that happened to me down there at Orangeburg that year. But anyway, I got seventh with her, 
if they had a you know seventh place, then they qualified for the HCHA World Hunt, you know, back then. But anyway, she got seventh place. But Bart come to me next day, or yeah, that was Friday night, and we got told me. He said, "Joe, where's that female you hunted last night?" And I said, "Right there, right there on the tailgate." And he got her out. He said. When she had her papers, I didn't have her papers. Just had her card. I told him what she was off of. She was off a ranger too. Eastern ranger too. He said, wanting to buy her. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do with you, Bart. I said, yeah, her, he had Davis's blue scooter. I sold scooter to Carrie Rooks, and Carrie Rooks sold him to Bart. He died for Bart. He, hey, he had him, he got something wrong with him, died. But I said, I want a pair of pups, choice pups, out of her and old scooter. He said, well, that's just what we do. We shook hands, and he paid me and took her home And uh, with him when he went home. But anyway, when them pups was born, they got about eight weeks old. Mark called me right here on the phone, and he said, Joe, these pups are eight weeks old. I got the puppy papers. They've had all the shots. And I want you to come and get your pair. I got them all sold, but yours and mine. So me and the old boy jumped in the pickup, and we headed for Martin Nations. And we went in there and picked them two pups up, talked around there just a little bit, and come home. And one of them pups was Section Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Even a lot of guys heard about the Section Jimmy dog. Uh, Rodney Rose had him out there, but uh, that was one of them. The female, uh, I sold her later on, but anyway, uh, uh, that's, that's, I had old Section Jimmy, a lot of guys don't know it, but he's a pretty good dog. He's a real reproducer at Section Jimmy. Uh, he killed better dogs than he was. That's a stud dog when they do that. And he was a pretty good dog. But uh, right there, now, it's, they used Scooter Dog, and, and uh, Howard Ford's old Harper River Joe Dog, they was the Little Mac Brothers. I bought them off old Bill Roosman down there. And I went down and brought them home, and John Davis was a hunting buddy. Well, later on, he wanted Scooter. And I let him have him, and... He made him night champion, and later on I bought him off of him and had him a while. He was a real hound. I sold him to Kerry Rooks down there, and, and uh, Kerry later on sold him to Bart. But, oh, I just go on and on. But them was some of the better dogs uh, that people knew about. It was uh, several good dogs right here. Uh, my old Chubbs all showed several good good dogs in the country. A lot of them were just old coon hunters in competition hunting, and you didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of recognition from the public. But I I, I just go on and on 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 the. But then that Harper River Joe dog, I showed him to Charles Dawson. And Charles sold him to Howard Ford, and Howard, you know, won that St. Jude hunt with him, finished him out. He was neither 
few a uh, hundred two to to be a grand knight and Howard made that dope. Bred a lot of bitches, he's a good reproducer and and Scooter, like I said, was his little mate brother. He he threw a lot of good pups for Bart and Carrie Rooks when they had him down there. Yes, sir. But, I've uh, I've hunted with with sons and daughters of both of them. And they were real reproducers. Yeah, they uh now up here you know, you come back up there to you know we're in Alabama. I can't think of some of them guys now. There's a preacher there. There's a, of course, Charles Dawson. I sold Charles three or four good top dogs. Told you about that one right there, that big Amos dog, and I got him back because he, you know, he got them heartworm. The Terry Tibbs who lives down there, a preacher down there, he, and good guy. He ain't one of them preachers. Just, Got one hand on the Bible and the other in your hip pocket. That's no saying we got. He's a good old boy. <laughs> but I sold him two or four pups off. Of, well, off this bitch I got out here. But I sold, and I bought a dog or two off them boys down there. And I bought a good dog off Charles Dawson once. I called him. He, or he's a, he's a How County. This is How County where I could named him How. He young dog when I got him running tree and then I called him Howe County Archie. He made a real top dog. Billy Hubbard up there in Ohio, mid, mid whatever he called them, blue ticks up there in Ohio. I sold Billy Hubbard two or four good dogs, good, pretty good dogs. But uh, I was trying to think where else I sold. Now, now that Billy Hubbard right there, he's a good friend of mine. He'd be a good one to interview. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, did you ever know Billy Hubbard? I did not. Near the high kennels, blue tick kennels. Okay. I sold him. I sold him to. I sold him that there dog I bought off of Charles called uh, Arky. Mm-hmm. He was a good dog. Trying to think some dogs that went out of this country and made the news, you know, around. But I've sold a lot of them. A lot of them I sold just cooners, you know. Yes, sir. Now, right there, uh, I bought Albert Tree off of Gary Eastman. And uh, I bought a female out of Kansas. I got down to where my dogs were slick tree and they just wasn't shooting me. And I spent some money and bought Albert Tree off of Gary Eastman. I bought a dog called Dual Grand Night Bitch off of Nine, Kansas. And I crossed them out and then put it, that put me back on top again. That's just a 13 year old bitch I got laying out there. Uh, down there by the barn and shade. That's where she basically she come from. And a lot of them pups went down there where I'm telling you, down there in Alabama, down there around Tuscaloosa. And Rick Jordan, I don't know if you ever heard of Rick Jordan or not. He had a dog, owned half Anderson, a dog called Logan off the Eastman, Gary Eastman's dogs. And uh, one of them pups. Off of that 
good cross there. They bred her, that Logan dog, and that's what this here 13-year-old dog of mine laying out here, like I say, my last top-of-the-notch coon dog. I had a lot of dogs that everybody liked, but they wouldn't. When you go to hunt, and you win constantly honest, I think that's one thing that a lot of competition hunters, especially around here, tell you, uh, Joe Moore is honest. And uh, I, I, that's the way I want to go to my grave, somebody saying they're honest. But they're cheating on a, over a dog. I tell a guy the other day from up in Indiana called me, I cheated one time in a hunt. And a guy had a walker dog, I'm not going to mention his name, at a boutique reunion up there in Indiana. Dual Grand Champion, Grand Knight Champion, House's Lippers Rex is a direct son of Old House's Lipper and House's Lippers Hope, another direct son of Lipper. Rex is throwing puppies that are gamey, independent, early starting with huge mouths and motors to complement. Rex is available for live breeding in Ripley, Mississippi, and chilled semen can be shipped anywhere in the country. Rex has puppies on the way currently. Uh, Tubby Creek Kennels also has two direct daughters off of Old Lipper that have pups on the ground right now. You can contact Hunter Morgan for more information at 662-587-6828. They also have a Facebook group, Dual Grand Houses Lippers Rex, to see more about all of Rex's puppies. Tubby Creek Kennels, where Lipper blood flows. Chuck and I had old Chubbs that once laying out here in my front yard, do grand night dog. Anyway, this this guy, he just ride the judge, he just get on to everybody, got on me two or three times. But he got treed down on the Wabash River and by himself. And and the five minutes was up my dog covered him. But I couldn't get nothing out of it. He was late getting there. So I tied him back, and this it was dry weather. This guy even waited out in the, the and the time had run out. And this guy, he waited out in the river there about belt deep, shining a great big oak, white oak tree. But anyway, I was up there shining one place. He hollered me and gave me a cuss and said, shut your light out. I'm a hunting, I'll, I'll, you know, let me know, keep my light out, he'd handle this. This was his dog and all. But anyway, when I went down to, down to where my dog was tied, I flipped the light back up to him on great big limbs way up on top of that big tree. I seen two little ears, one of them was a flicker. Every time he'd squall with his coon squall, that ear would flicker. And I never said a word. And, and if he'd have found that coon, he'd have beat me. But the way he treated me and the way he treated everybody, I just kept my mouth shut. But I seen that man's coon. That's the only time that I ever cheated or tried to uh, do something my dog wasn't, you know, try to get something done my dog wasn't doing. I can say that. And like I tell a lot of guys, you don't win them all. Seems like the further I go, at least I'd win, you know, so... But, uh, and I'll tell you something else about that old boy. We walked out to the truck to fill out the scorecard and all. He, he, he beat that, gave that dog a beating. He had a guy riding with him. He said, 
all the things, it had to be a blue dog to beat you. He said that dog never lost a cast that night. And really, he didn't. That tree all by itself would have won that. So, but, but the way he treated me, no, I just shut up. I never did tell nobody to use later. That's the only time I ever... I might have called somebody's dog, but wouldn't be out of... Wasn't on purpose. You know what I'm talking about, but... Well, that's more of a mistake than cheating. Yeah, and like I said, down in here, when I come here, there's a lot of sawmills. Them open sawmills, not the big fancy ones like they had up in Indiana, where they inside of buildings and all. This wide open, well, real bad cold weather, they didn't work. And them guys all couldn't run it, you know, and hides was high then, you know. Everybody hunted and... Boy, I jumped in here, and, and the Mark Twain National Forest is six miles over here. That's 32,000 acres. Starts up there in Tlaquaqua, uh, uh, Oklahoma, and comes down through the way down below Springfield, Missouri, 100-some miles there. That's the Mark Twain National Forest. I'm right here at the edge of it. 32,000 acres, and it's got a lot of good loads all through it. I never hunted all that much because my dogs all hunted wide. But uh, they was coon in there, everything in there. And then over here toward, towards the Arkansas line, that's 16 mile, there's a lot of government. And it's all kept up and road. I hunt over quite a bit. My dogs all hunt wide and real hard handling. They, you turn them loose, you. You get them off the tree somewhere in some areas, you know, on cold nights or rain, it wasn't, it wasn't all that great. But that's a solid log everybody had in these competition hunts anyway, so that's what I had. Now, uh, the mother of these pups out here is, she's off of my old 13-year-old, she's five-year-old, she's off of my old 13-year-old bitch here. Her daddy is off of, is, his, the male to her is uh, off of that running bullet two dog up here, this house up here, and doctor up here on the river road. And uh, he, he, he wasn't a real good looking dog or not, but he's a real dog. He's off of Randy's running bullet. And his, his name was Bullet Two. And that's what, her daddy's off of uh, running bullet two dog. He's black and white dog, little rough haired. He's not a real good looking dog. He shows some bird dog or something. But anyway, he's a real hound, a real reproducer. That I bred, and these pups is double bred. My old thirteen year old. They're both double bred Bonnie, Bonnie out there, and then they're off of this. But this is what I'm going to tell you about this bitch. Uh, she handles, and she. I never done much competition hunting with her because she's so independent. You get somewhere where there ain't no coon, they got them all killed off. She wouldn't cover dogs. She wouldn't go to a dog. But she's a good handling dog, and she's a top rig dog out of the back. Now, a lot of you guys don't hunt that way, but we do down here. That's where I get my pups started, and that's where I'm starting these two young dogs with. She's like coon out of the back, you know. Who was, oh, Bart Nation, I sold him a dog one time. 
I said, he's a top rig, though. What are you talking about? I said, he's, he'll bark 50 mile an hour going down the road out of a dog box. It'll be a coon. You let him out and turn him loose, and he'll go the right way, and he won't be long. He'll be red hot, most of them. But anyway, that's what she is. She's an old man's dog. Now, take me back five, ten years. She, you know, she she's too independent and had a head of her own. You could treat coon on her. But she's, she's a coon dog. But the, uh, my age and all, I'm, my wife don't like her, but I hunt by myself quite a bit. Everybody's quit around here. There's a few guys hunt, but some of them, they wouldn't hunt with me, you know, they... But anyhow, I'm having to drive 30 to 50 miles to go, and I got land right here in my place, but there's people have moved in. Uh huh. There's another thing. When I come in here, you can run anywhere. And you drive up through past somebody's house, and the old boy be out there standing on the porch, you see his smoke, smoke a cigarette or something, wave at you. They come out and listen to the coon race and all. But but now, the land, well, when I come in here, the land was cheap. Uh, you could buy an old rough 80 acres, $300 an acre, you know, just bare ground and all. But now it's, it's starting to pick up and dirt, and cattle's got high. Uh, that's all we got down here. There's no row crops down down here. Too rough, rocky, and too rough of ground and clay ground. And, uh, but we got a lot of pasture. We got a lot of cattle. But a lot of them people and and the land down here now run you about around two in and around two thousand an acre. But uh, they but a lot of them people up there in St. Louis and Kansas City. They retire, sell their house, come down and buy 100 acres, build a new house right in the middle of them, put signs all around, and don't let you hunt. You know, they just, and you can't blame them, you know, they just come out of the city and work. I got acquainted with a lot of them. Some of them went to church with or something here, you know, and they'll tell you, no, we don't allow, we don't want coon killed, we don't want animals killed, face our deer, we don't want to feed deer. It's really messed things up. And, and I could go to the National Forest with this bitch here, but I would never turn any other dogs up before her. There's a lot of bear over there and stuff anymore. The old grandma out there, I would never hunt her over there. She just hunt too wide and deep. And a lot of bluffs, big bluffs on the rivers and stuff over there. And caves. I lost a dog or two. Years ago, we had mules we hunted on down here. When I, that's another thing. I'm talking about a coon hunting mule. Yeah, I've never, I've never hunted off a, off a horseback or off of a mule. You, I don't know if you ever know John Wick. You know, walk with Wick. He had out a couple books. John Wick's, what is he? He down in, lived down here one time. He lived up in Montgomery City on up towards the center of the state. He had Wick's outlet where they sold hunting clothes and lights and stuff way back over the years and they finally sold out but he had a good mule and he'd haul it down we all had a good mule then like i said you walk up to fence and get off your mule some of them had just saddle off of them but just loosen the girdle and get off of them and, and may have to get a switch after them but 
they jump. And a lot of times down in here, when I come here, uh, Bob Waters pinches all the head, three to four stands of Bob Water about up to your waist, and some of them shag down, you know. See, up in Indiana, where I come from, all wet wire, woven wire, two barbs on top, and big fences and stuff, you know. Come down here, hell, they run through woods, nailing the trees and stuff. And, but anyway, you cut running. If you get around the government, they had a good fence, woven wire fence. And, but we had mules, some good mules. I, I had four or five mules. I had two good ones out of the bunch. They was high price, you know. John Rick, he'd bring a, he ever, John's a big man, he'd about six, two or three and, and build around with it, you know. He always had a good mule, and he'd come down here. He had walker dogs, but that's all right. Uh, everybody thinks that I was colorblind. I bought, I'd buy anything that was real top if the price was reasonable. I owned two or three good walker dogs. I didn't have them very long because I had outlet for good walker dogs. I owned, uh, well, that first dog I told you that I bought for 1500 when I come here, it was overbroken all. It'd come run, dog fire up on the deer or anything, or two possum, she'd come in and come right up to you and sit down and whine. And people laugh and make fun of her. I said, that's where you boys, where people lived around here, couldn't believe I'd give 1500 for her. But I, I probably broke, in her day, I probably broke a dozen. I've knocked a dozen young dogs off of That's when the shock collars come out, you know, first come out. I broke a lot of young dogs right off that, with her coming in. And, and then another story on her, She's about eight or nine years old. A boy from up there in Illinois called me. His uh, brother worked, lived down there in Indiana, worked down there in them plants, knew me. said, call that Joe Moyer. said, here, it's, you can buy a dog off on his word. That guy called me, and he said, now, here's what I want. And if you ain't got it, tell me. He said, I seek in these city parks. I gotta have a tight mouth, and it's gotta be straight, and it's gotta handle. Or I can command it to come, he come. And he said, if you ain't got it, tell me. He said, I've called, called somebody, said, you might know. I said, I got one. I said, she's about nine years old. And I said, you can sit on your front seat and roll the window down, and she'll look out the window. She smells a coon, she'll bark. And uh, she won't bail out till you stop and open the door. Straight as a die, overbroke, and handles. He said that, and I think I sold her to him for eight hundred. But anyway, I never heard nothing from that old boy for a good while. And up in the spring, he sent me a picture of a pile of coon hides that he killed with her. Said he got arrested a couple times. He got in there around them city parks and stuff. And, Said there's no racetrack out there. One place he hunted, and there's a lot of woods there, and they absolutely didn't have her. But he said, "Boy, I killed a lot of coon out there <laughs> with her." But but she was a walker dog. I owned two or three that I bought. I never outside of, that I bought them walker dog. I I bought a so well, I've owned everything, I, and I own a good plot or two years back. 
I've owned just about everything. I never did own any leper crews or anything, but like I said, when we was growing up, that's all we had up there. Them days, when I was a little kid, that's back in the 80s, or in the 40s, early 40s, possum was a dollar, a coon was a good, nice coon was four or five dollars, a skunk was five dollars. A mink was ten or twelve dollars if you could get one without tearing it up, you know. But we had them cur dogs, they'd tree possum, they a skunk, tree a mink, as long as it wasn't on water. You know, tree a mink on the water, it won't be there. It'd dive off in the water and swim underwater out of there. But I caught two or three mink one year. Now, in them days, you could buy a pack of rifle shells for 39 cents, buy a pair of Levi jeans for $9, $10, gasoline, $5, five gallon for a dollar. But, but, but anyway, that was in the. $5.57. So that was in early, uh, uh, well, that was in the late 40s and 50s. So, but then later on, later on, when I got really into competition, you know, I, well, I, I, I wasn't worried about fur. The only fur I was worried about was dropping them off on my hound once in a while when they need it, you know. So when I come down here, like I said, hides a good big bull coon bring twenty dollars easy. They, they carry chainsaws down here. You walk back through the government place, the trees laying there, never cut up or nothing, never use them for firewood. They'd be old holler tree. They say, well, that was a coon then. They just cut them, they'd be two or three coon in there, be twenty, thirty dollars worth. And they worked the sawmills, you know, for cash and hell, it more money and, and working. It beat anything I ever seen. Another thing about down here. Right around Christmas time, boy, you could buy yourself two or three pretty good dogs. Worth the money. They go all out for Christmas, you know. Need money for Christmas. And they called me on the phone. They'd, Joe said, uh, I want to sell my hounds. And we need money for Christmas and all. And I said, okay. So I bought a lot of dogs. Now, I, I tell you what hurt me. I bought a lot of hundred, $200 dogs out of the truck right there. You buy four or five of them, you got the price of a good ham, but I, ca I finally caught on to that. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, them two $300 dogs didn't take me very long to catch on to, to uh, stay away from them. But on the other hand, I bought some pretty nice hounds down this around this country over the years. So I'd buy they'd be they just I buy you know five hundred thousand dollars they just need to tune up and I'd, I'd pack my dinner bucket and wife wood and pot of coffee and we went to the woods I come in when the birds were singing in the morning and carried a rifle. And uh, about a week or ten days of that, I knew what I had. I knew they'd stand trial, and I'd ship them somewhere. So that's right. Well, there's one dog I gotta ask you about. Uh, you sold uh, that dog to my buddy Steve Fussell, 
and that's the Moody yeah. Creek Blue JJ dog. Yeah, yeah. The old JJ. Now, I never raised him. James McCormick on Moody Creek Jammer. Did you hear that dog? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was Chef's bred dog. James McCormick, good friend of mine, good guy. Young, he was a young guy, and a lot younger than me. He he was master of hounds at our club out here. But anyway, JJ was a sharp competition dog. On an old bad night and stuff wasn't stern. Uh, after a while, he'd ball out in there, just ball out two or three times, and I'd track him. Or wouldn't be further along, he'd tree up somewhere. See, one night we old boys riding me he said, Joe, that dog, you, you, he wasn't on no coon track in there when you struck him, was he? I said, How do you know? I don't know. He opened, he bowled out, and uh, I struck him on his second strike, you know, and he, third strike, he's all, he's all strike himself. Uh, but anyway, that old boy, but he would do that. Boy, he was, I don't know, I don't know why, but he just bowled out in there. Me and Steve was talking about that one time. He said, I, I don't know either, but anyway. I sold him Steve, and that Albert Three dog I sold uh, Charles. Charles sold him to Carrie Wilkes, and Carrie sold him to Steve Puzzle. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hunt with him? I never did. I'm going to tell you, I heard that dog when he was 12, 13 months old, just getting started good when Gary had him. Well, Gary had him, but anyway... Yeah, I bought him off of Gary. Yeah, I sold him, and Kerry sold him to to Steve. Very good looking dog. One night we had a bad drought down in down in Arkansas. Then, see in Arkansas you kill year round, carry a rifle. Mm -hmm. uh, so I owned out of state license. I hunted a lot down in there, and I didn't want to kill my coon up here, you know, because my hunting holes where I win hunts with, you know. I hung down off Gary's when Lonnie Neal, an old coon hunter down there, one night when when Albert Tree was about 12, 13 months old. He'd been hunting for about four months. I'd hunt. But he, we got in that drought. I don't know what I had, and there's another, and I don't know what Lonnie Neal had. They, we both had pretty good dogs. They had a lot of trouble tapping trees, slick trees, and that Albert Tree dog. He opened around, he's tight. A little bit, we heard him baying up towards the truck. There's a hay field they'd made the hay on it. It's real clean. And then we heard a coon squalling. A little bit, he come down, back down there and got back in there. We got, dog, we got treed and we, we wasn't treed two minutes. He got right back down there and covered them. But when we walked up there at the truck, now, Gary and, Gary and, and, uh, Lonnie didn't hear the coon squall. And, uh, or they didn't think it was, it had anything to do with old Albert Tree. But anyway, we got up over the truck and there was a coon laying over, a young coon laying over dead in that hay field, still, still alive, blood bubbles coming out of his nose and everything. And he said, well, Joe, you was right. 
I said, I, I know I heard, I said, I heard him open bay a couple times up there. And that was old Albert Tree. And uh, he, and, and if you used him, he's a big, good looking hound. If you had to use him at all and keep him going, if you didn't get fat, he'd balls and chew. He'd ball more on the tree, slob her mouth, and, and he would chew some. But that Albert Tree was a good hound. So, and uh, she said he was a real reproducer. You know, J.J. was a good reproducer. Oh, I had a couple of good ones off of him. Uh-huh. He was, uh, and, and he had a brother later on out of the next litter J.J. did called Saddleback Bill or something like that. He was a Saddleback dog. Of course, J.J. was too, but he lay, uh, I bought him off his, well, his, his transmission went out of his truck and he was, he was on, he was, had to borrow a truck to go to work and he needed eight, nine hundred dollars to get his transmission fixed. So I bought that dog. I forget where I, I had him while I shipped him out somewhere, but he, them was good dogs. Yes, sir. See, that was Jammer and. Hey, y'all, this is Tyler, your host of Coonhunting University. I'm here to talk to you about extreme dog fuel. Whether you're looking for a 3020, 2420, 2618, or 2212, they have any type of food that us coon hunters need. I'd like to issue a thank you to them for making Coonhunting University podcast possible. So go to extremedogfuel.com and find a retailer near you and give them a try. I love it. I've been blown away. I swapped to the 3020, and I honestly hadn't looked back. I mean, I love it. I really do. And I encourage everyone to go over there to extremedogfuel.com. Check them out. Find a retailer near you. Read all about it. You'll see why I swapped to Extreme Dog Fuel. I believe he was off Moody Creek Jammer. He was. Yeah. So, Moody Jammer's a good, good, uh, I remember one time him and Jim McCormick and another boy, they worked for a veterinary award. He had a lot of cattle and he had to, had to have a couple big strong boys. They worked for that veterinary and but anyway, uh, the two guys owned that dog together, that uh, Moody Creek Jammer dog, and they had a little person, one wanted to take him this hunt, another, so they had him for sale. And uh, I had him high, you know, back then, two, three thousand dollars. And I hunted with a guy where a guy had an English dog called Chuck Ferguson, and Chuck. I said, I'm going to buy that dog. I forget he real high price. And Chuck said, Joe, they hunt every night and they kill that dog everything he trees. said, you got too many dogs. It's none of my business. But said, leave him over there. said, let him squabble more and just stay out of it. He was younger than me, but I took his advice. He, they kept him over there. They kept a jammer dog. I never did get him after that. But but I bred, uh, thinking about them dogs, they had a dog that I bred up. I bred old Chubbs to his daughter. Now, that plot man up there in Illinois, on Pioneer Kennels up there, on Pioneer Drum and all them real powerful plot dogs, he told me one time, I was talking to him, boy, he's a good old boy. Joe, if you want to hang on to your seed, 
inbreed once. He said, I always bred a father to a daughter. But anyway, you go mother or son. And, and whatever you pick out now, if it don't quite suit you, hang on to it. Because it's what he's carrying in his, his genes is what you're wanting to hang on to. He told me that, and it's true. I bet old Chubbs, his own daughter, there's a good dog out of that cross named Joker. And uh, he was down, he ended up down in uh, Georgia. I have a name, uh, can't think of his name or anything. But anyway, he got the slick tree in bad. No, he got the missing. He went sterile. And they called me somewhere. That old boy called me, uh, wanting to sell him to me. And I said, well, you can fix that. Tie him up and the veterinary and give him stuff. And he'll come, they'll come back a lot of them. He didn't know that. But that dog, but I had one here I called, uh, she got killed on the road. And a uh, guy worked up there for John Wick. He had one where I could get my hands on it. It, it, uh, he got it out of sent it way up north somewhere in Nebraska or somewhere. But the way I'd done that one time, but uh, that's that old boy on them plots told me, and I think Usman's knew that. A lot of them big breeders know that. You know they don't tell you yes, what they do. But that old man said, "You want to hang on your stock? That's when they had old Chubbs." Boy, I tell you that old Chubbs dog. I tell him. Guy the other day, we was talking about him. Old Chubbs get out of the pocket on you. That's back before we had tracking devices. And I drive the roads looking for him. A little bit cheated at him, a ball, and sound like he's treeing, but I know he'd get out. He'd finally know I'm looking for him, I guess. He'd come out on a road over there somewhere, you know, down here, pretty rough going. And uh, just ball back and forth, just. I drove around over and went out. My lights called his called his eye. He just start wagging his tail, and then, boy, he was happy. Boy, I get up there, he jump up on the tail, he run. That's just how smart that dog was. He's just like one of my kids. Boy, he he was something else. But now he's tied on the ground. He wouldn't open until he got the track lined the right way. I can tell you a hundred stories. I'll tell you one. Wilburn had old Rebel. That was that old Rebel and Sadie May. That was good cross that made all that Rebel over Wilburn. That's where uh, dogs I'm telling you about Harper River Joe, Scooter. Uh, I can name a bunch of outstanding dogs out of that cross that just clicked. But Sadie May and, and, uh, Rebel. Now, he was a good old pleasure dog. A good dog. But me and the old May and Wilbur were turned out down on a, it was dry, down an old dry slough and still had water pockets in it. Parked up there on the road and sent them down there. But we walked down there, big wooden water fence through there, and I had the key to the gate. Guy let me open the gate and sent them in there. Boy, they fired up. Orbs bitch fired up and we cut them loose. Boy, the old rebel and that bitch took up through that splash of water, a barking rain. Old Chubb just threw his head in there. He went over and he bailed up over and jumped that fence and opened twice and went right up in front of the truck up there on the old gravel road. 
up on a hill and tree. We just stood there, and Wilbur said, well, Joe, Joe, he said, we better go see what old boy's got. He said, oh, we went the wrong way. Oh, no. Well, I didn't say nothing. But anyway, they finally figured out. But well, we went back and shut the gate. And, you know, I, I snapped the padlock. We walked over and walked up on the hill, and our old chub had the meat laying up on the limb. But they went wrong. Now, I was in a hunt up northern, big hunt up north, up around Kansas, uh, not Kansas City, but Springfield, that's 100 miles from here. Had old chubs and uh, dog tree walker dogs. Like I told you, old chubs wasn't no strike dog to get on his court He He's about a third or fourth strike dog most of the time. But anyway, we lined them dogs up and them, there's water. Uh, down here, we don't have culverts mostly. They just dry weather. They just take a dozer where an old spring comes out of the hills and they fill that up with cement. It's just a slab, they call it. Well, we stopped right there and got out, and them walker dogs started barking. They smelled coon. So when we lined them up right there on that slab, spring water or creek running right under our feet, and right there was a cable across two big old cemented in posts with tin hanging on to them. There was a gate, you know, flood gate. And when we cut, and here's how they done me a favor. We split the strike. I knowed I had a man. We split the strike because it struck on the chain. Old Chubb didn't do nothing but whine. Cut them dogs in there, clang, clang, clang. I hit that, them tin hanging off them cables. You know, their floodgates keep cows from coming out of there. Well, I was barking out of her breath. All them Chubbs, he ain't opened yet. He come back, clang, clang, we heard that. And here he come right towards us. There's an old boy had uh, high-powered English dogs up north. He said, uh-oh. He said, I heard about that dog right there before I got in the truck tonight to watch out. And he bawled about three times. That's the first he's open. Up, he had that truck going right and on up there on the hill a little bit. Oh, boy, he come down. I, I can hear that locate. But now that, that old boy had English dog. He got in there and covered him for the five minutes, come up through there and covered him for the five minutes was up. And we went in there. He had a coon. We had to turn back in. Here's the best part of it. And, then, and my story on old Chubbs, you couldn't turn him. You couldn't make him go wrong on a track. He wasn't open till he had that track straddle of it and had the thing going. Right away. We turned back in on them walker dogs. He went right in there amongst them, got over he fell trees over on the hill. Boy, they fell trees right down there where they went in. We went in there and Judge said, Joe, you can go on your dogs, we'll right here feed dogs, that's all right. Yeah, he he won't go nowhere. I went on in there to him. Of course, you ain't supposed to shine your light or not, but I could tell you had a coon. They was slick, and when they come on in there, the, the judge and one guy come in there, the other guy stayed up there. I, we looked at the coon. When I got up her truck, that old English guy said, I heard about your dog right up there at the clubhouse. 
I didn't hardly believe it, but he said, I believe it now. So, but that Chubbs was a real hound. He wasn't a good balance hound. Bart told in one of his books, he was a great hound. He wasn't no, he was too clean and honest to be a competition dog. Now, have you ever heard that told before? I have. Yeah, he said he's just too clean and honest to be a competition dog. I made that, that dog was 12 months old, and uh, we had a hunt over at our club. I had a pair of them, one called Buck, and this here called Chubbs. Anyway, uh, I went over to, that's John Davis again, that old boy that run that old store, our old country store. It had a stove in the middle of it. He burnt wood, and they sat around there like the old movies and argued and fussed religion and coon dog and uh, politics and fight and cuss and spit on that old stove, and just like the old days. But anyway, that was we had that club for years. Still got it. It just moved somewhere else. But anyway... I went, stopped in there. Now, John still had old Peggy. That's a, that's a, the old bitch that Warren Hasser bought, and that's where that ain't Big Amos don't come off of her. But I said, you ready for that hunt tonight, John? I didn't know. He said, she's bleeding in there, coming in heat, Joe. I said, well, hunt one of my dogs. Which one? I said, either one you want to hunt, old Chubbs or Buck. He said, I heard old Chubbs. So that night we come in after hunt was over, and I was out to see them dogs. They just right around 12 months old. And there wasn't a lot of coon in here. Like I told you, they had them all killed for hide money. But anyway, boy, it's hard to get a big score right around here. And we didn't have a big score. But anyway, I was out there. I rode with another guy. I won my cast. And uh, with old Buck and John come walking out there and said, how did you do? And I said, well, I won my cash. You can't ask any more than that. What do you have? I said, 300. He said, is that ain't enough? I said, what, what, what one? And he said, I did with old Chubbs, my dog, you know, 350. And that was on a Friday night. And Saturday night, I hauled him about 52 miles. Over where the hold the Arusha Memorial every year, 52 miles. I hold Chubbs over there, and I'd won that, got a first over there, but the uh, Walker dog, he couldn't take fangs or face marking or anything when he was real young. Like uh, she had him had, had him off the tree, and I got minused. But before the night was over, I won the cast. I got a second there. And then the next Friday night, I went up the other direction, up towards Springfield up in there. And got, I had two seconds, two firsts, and one second in three hunts with old Chubbs. So, and, and, and uh, boy, grand, uh, making him grand night, I won two or four of them in a heartbeat. And then, I, boy, I started having trouble winning. And I remember I drawed old Richard Casey one night, and we sitting in there, and he said, I figured you had him granted out. And I said, boy, I've I, I had him in the last three hunts. I, I didn't have a big enough score. He said, you'll get her one of these nights. So I drawed old 
Richard that night, and I finished him out that night. So Richard said, damn, I wish it wouldn't have been tonight, but I told you you'd finish. But old Chuck, boy, I finished him out for granted. And on show, he'd show on the bench. I showed him on the bench and do a grand thing. But, boy, he was something else. And like I said, he wasn't that great of a competition dog because he wasn't no first-first dog. Yes, sir. But uh, he was... He was a good hound. Well, Mr. Joe, we've been going about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, is is there anything that, that uh, you want to say to the people that will wind up listening to this? Any any final thoughts? No, really. I, I, like I said, I was, I had... I had a woman and she was uh, head of the BBTHA called here one interview me one time and I said, well, I'll think it over and there. I said, I ain't nobody. They are. I sold them people out there in Texas. I sold them a pretty good blue dog warranty. They won a lot on the bench. But they called here. But anyhow, I I just loved hunting and, and I just wasn't no different than anybody else. But like, like I said, you got to pound the dog. You got to use the dog. When you're shipping dogs like I did, I ship dogs north and I ship dogs south. And I and my ad, I guaranteed my dogs. You can call one old boy down there told Kerry Rooks one time, said, he buys them dogs off of us for four or $500 and sells them to you guys down there south for four or $5,000. Now, Kerry told me this. Curry said, I'll take all the hounds that Joe Moore calls a coon dog if he wants to sell me. That's what he t- told that guy. But anyhow, uh, one thing I can say is, is to make a coon dog, you got to lay in the woods with him. And it's like my dad told me when I was young, you got to be smart, smarter than your dog if you're going to train him. That's like a racehorse or... Uh, anything you got to be smarter than they are if you're going to be try to train them. And Dad used to tell me, I'd get mad at the dog. He said, "Son, you got to be smarter than the dog." But uh, I've I've sure uh, met a lot of good friends, made a lot of good friends, and uh, I, I'm, I'm in my hunting days. Like I say, is about over. Yes, sir. Met a lot of good friends, and I've. Met an enemy or two, but not very many. So, always got along good, and and it's like I always said. Guy said, "What do you think about Moyer?" I said, well, "What's going on?" I said, "I just let my dogs do the talking for me." Well, Mister Joe, thank you so much for taking the time out to to talk. That's all right. Like I said, I like to talk. You can ask anybody. really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as i did if you like what you heard here go on over to facebook give us a like at coon hunting you also go to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review it really helps us out and remember if you need a new hunting light do not overlook superior they make an awesome light best customer service in the business man their walking light and double red is the brightest i've ever seen use coupon code chu podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com you can find the link in the description box below this coon hunting university is a product of audio hound productions until next time y'all have a wonderful day